Hello and welcome to Box Cutters episode 109. Television, television, television! Oi, oi, oi! My name is Josh Canal. To my left, Mr. Ross McQueen. Good news, everybody. And to my right, the man from Ballarat, Brett Cropley. Good evening, viewers. You've done good news before. I have, but we have got good news. We have got good news, everybody. Futurama. And, Futurama and news. Ballarat? You're a copycat. Ah. I say, as I take my sip of water. Y- you are a copycat. <laughs> when I'm living in a country where the Prime Minister uses a schoolyard taunt, how does anybody take him seriously? Just, How just am I the, the Prime Minister? No. <laughs> Seems like I am. No, but you remind me, you take me back to, to half a week ago when, when Howard was going on about copycats. He's got to do it. It's, it's, all he's, it's all he's got. He's How got to, juvenile is he? He's got to do what he's got. Well, people are always complaining that he's too old. Uh, he's tra- tra- <laughs> he tries to act young and then, uh, and then look, look what happens to him. Come on, give the guy a break. Yeah, stop copying, Josh. <laughs> uh, coming up on this episode of... Box Cutters. That's the show. We're talking to James Talia, our un-Australian correspondent. Mm, interesting to see what he has to say about stuff. Stuff. <laughs> stuff. There's lots of stuff to talk to him about. Lots of stuff. I've got a, I've got a secret I want to see if he's going to uh, oh, talk about. Oh, yeah. oh I'm intrigued. Mm. Uh, we're also uh, going to do a wrap of The Sopranos, which finishes this week. And we can finally talk about finish. it. It finished last week on Channel 9. We can yeah. finally talk about it because Brett is up to date. On the fall season, we're looking at Pushing Daisies and Reaper. We've also got some pork, but as always, we're going to kick things off with the Box Cutters News. And now for the news. Good news, everybody. Hi, Dr. Nick. <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's wrong. <laughs> you, you got it all backwards. Uh, never mind, never mind. Uh, the much-awaited Futurama movies are on their way, and very, very soon. The names of the four movies have been released. The first one is called Bender's Big Score, and that will be followed by The Beast with a Billion Backs, Bender's Game, and Into the Wild Green Yonder. Now, as we've reported before on this show, uh, these eight movies are each going to four. be... Sorry, four movies are each going to be 88 minutes long. Yep. And then they're going to be cut down into uh, four episodes each. Of 22 minutes. Of 22 minutes. So, but they're going to, to be available a, on... To make a 16-episode series, which will screen at some point on Comedy Central. But they are, they are going to be available on DVD first. They are indeed. In fact, the first one gets released in the States on November the 27th. Ooh, I'm... I've got to put that straight in my Amazon wish list. So, uh, well, I'm guessing it'll come out here around the same time, if not earlier. You think? Yeah, I think so. Uh, we, we have a precedent with DVDs here that, that they often do come out the same time or earlier here. So, I, I, I don't think it'll be far away. Not with, not with all releases, not with not, a lot of no, television no, no, releases. No, but uh, like, for example, Seinfeld. Right. And I have a feeling previous Futurama series have come out here earlier. Right. Okay, well. In the States. But I, I could be wrong about that. Definitely with Seinfeld. Keep your eyes on the catalogs. Uh, so, yeah, and apparently it's going to cost around $24, but Amazon have it listed at $19.99. We're looking at 30 bucks Australian. It's very exciting. We're, I mean, if, if we buy it in Australia, we're looking at 30 bucks. Yep. It's going to be, you know, yep. twenty nine ninety five 
JB and other places will knock it down to twenty four ninety five. That's what it'll end up being. And uh, Easy DVD already has it on their uh, on their website, so I might uh, put up a few links and people can have a look at the uh, have a look at the cover art and so forth, uh, and what extras are on there. Uh, and if you're looking for a good Futurama site, my favourite one over the years has been www.gotfuturama.com, which is uh, fantastic. And and is it got Futurama from that uh, that that billboard in the uh, in in the episode where they go to the planet uh, of robots, where the billboard says "Got milk?" Then you must be a human and should be killed. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, and the blocks fall down in Tetris shape and the whole wall disappears. Yes, it's a very very funny episode. Yes, I love that episode. Mm. Uh, I've got. Uh, do you want to go with Channel Nine News, Brent? Because I thought you might go with Joss Whedon. No, no, no! I'll, uh, I'll, I'll say just along the lines of uh, m- makers who uh, um... just go with the news. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll start my news by uh, referring to someone else's sermon. Uh, the, wor- <laughs> the worm has just gone through the floor. The Ted Network is in discussions with producers Fremantle Media, owner of Grundy's Productions, uh, who made the original series of The Young Doctors. And this is about uh, reviving the series and uh, making a latter-day version of it. That's stupid. They'll all be old doctors. There'll be mostly a new cast. However, uh, one of the show's original cast members, Mark Holden, wants to don, scru- don scrubs all over again. What a surprise Mark Holden wants to be on television. <laughs> yes. Uh, the original series ran from 1976 to 1983 uh, and uh, starred Paula Duncan, Alan Dale who's a man about the world. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they'll get Alan Dale back. He doesn't seem to be saying no to anything. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's true. And we want you to play somebody's father. I'll do it. You haven't even read the script yet. doesn't matter. <laughs> good. I mean, good luck to him. No, he's, he's, doing, he's doing tremendously well for himself. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He really mm. is in everything. Yeah. He's also uh, Gwen Plum and Peter Cousins, who said that uh, there was something wonderfully naive about it, talking about the show. There were no procedures. No one ever did anything. So uh, nothing getting in the way for uh, high drama. And Paula Duncan Soapy. wore a lot of a lot of makeup, but we're boring Ross. <laughs> he said, uh, well, let's go into Joss Whedon news. The, uh, the show will debut next year, airing Monday to Friday in the 6 o'clock time slot on Channel 10. What? Uh, just before Neighbours, yes. No. No, that's, that's, that's the that's, Futurama time that's, slot. Uh, Simpsons. The plan is Both. to run that's the show that's, weekdays at 6pm. That's nonsense. That'll never happen. Yeah, it's never going to work. It's the time slot which has been occupied by the, by the Simpsons for more than 10 years. Uh, I'm telling you right now, that will never happen. You come back to me in six months and say, ha-ha, you're wrong, that's fine. I'm telling you now, it will never happen. We'll see. That's you, what I'm saying. You said that about Sally leaving her in a way. No, I think, I think what you'll find is I said, no, Brett, you're wrong, when Sally said she was leaving home in a way when she wasn't. Hopefully, you, you, but... I, I think I think you'll find that you said, not if I have anything to do with it. <laughs> in well, fairness. The Simpsons is doing no favours to Neighbours, which uh, has had a bit of an audience fall off in it, recent times. I think Neighbours is doing no, no favours to Neighbours. In sure. fairness to Brett, he knew before Sally did that she was quitting home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He had the, he had the real... Um, hopefully the it will there. last longer than uh, Channel 10's last uh, medical drama, The Surgeon. I love that show. Mm. Uh, On to Joss Whedon news. Joss has signed up with Fox Network in the States to uh, produce a... Fox, who screwed him over last time. Uh, They didn't really screw him over. Firefly. Ah, that wasn't screwing him over. It wasn't rating. 
wasn't rating, quite frankly, anyone who's seen the opening credits of Firefly knows exactly why that didn't rate. The opening credits were terrible. Don't watch his opening credits. People who are tuning in on the television. Two presses on the skip button. See, this is... (laughs) You know, those that doesn't get counted. Ah. (laughs) Anyway, so Joss Joss has gone back to Fox. He's, uh, He's signed a deal for seven episodes of a new show called Dollhouse, which is going to feature Eliza Dushku. Uh, who played Faith in mm. both Buffy and Angel. And uh, the uh, the series, and this is really such a simple idea. Uh, it, it's it's great to see that he's gone, well, I had uh, I had I haven't had great luck in the past with, with complicated ideas, so I'll go with the simple idea of uh, following top-secret world of people programmed with different personalities, abilities, and memories depending on their mission. And after each assignment, which can be physical, romantic, or even illegal, the characters have their memories wiped clean and are sent back to the lab. The show will centre on Dushku's character, Echo, as she slowly begins to develop some self-awareness which impacts her missions. That's going to be so easy to follow. Uh, and, and in a related story, Josh has already added that to the golden age of television. Hey! <laughs> Even before it's been produced. Hey, I didn't put Angel wasn't in the golden age of television. I had my reasons for it. Uh, but yes, that's going to be genius. Uh, <laughs> In uh, Heroes news, the uh, the gap filling Heroes Origins, which was supposed to run, they were going to have a break from Heroes of six weeks, and Heroes Origins was going to run in that six weeks. It has been postponed, or it's an on, on indefinite hold or shelved, as, as some others are saying. Now, is, this, is this because which, of the writers' strike? What I've read uh, says that it is due to the writer's strike, which is kind of a bit ironic, given that uh, they came up with the concept to... Uh, I, I seriously don't think it's because of the writer's strike. I could be wrong, but I think, I, I think they were... You think it was just no good? They weren't getting anywhere. It was kind of... They wanted it to be kind of like the Twilight Zone, and I, I just think it was it was just a dodgy idea. Is I could be completely wrong, but that that's the feeling I get from what I've read. Some others call it a quasi cancellation. In fact, oh really? That yes. that postponed. Mm. Uh, this uh, the the writer strike, which we believe started a few days ago, uh, is actually th- Today. No, I actually started this morning. Oh, uh, actually, this time. morning. Yeah, but by so the time people, Monday morning our time. By, by the, the time, time people listen to a few days ago, a few days ago, maybe several hours. Uh, Depending if if you maybe you wanted the crunchy granola sweet, then it's only really a few hours. Is uh, is going to throw up some interesting problems, obviously for for all shows in the long run. Uh, but Heroes and Prison Breaks, uh, Prison Break, which have breaks built into their schedule, are now looking at their mid season break, which has a bit of a cliffhanger, possibly being their end-of-year cliffhanger. Oh, really? Yeah, that's, that's how Prison Break and Heroes are thinking of doing it. Now, obviously, for, uh, for us Lost fans, the big question is we've been waiting so long for New Lost, what's going to happen there? And the answer is they've got half the series of Lost written and they figure half a series is better than no series, so we might get half of Lost. But it's, we need it all. I understand. But uh, it's a 16-episode series? Yes. We're going to get eight at this point unless the writer's strike gets resolved. Resolve the strike! <laughs> Resolve the strike, damn it. I mean, we're not, getting, we're not getting new episodes of Lost until February next year, so there is time to resolve the strike. There is. Uh, but, you know, if it could be done this week, we'd appreciate it. Thank you very much. But, I mean... 
they're not they're not even looking like they're making any headway with the strike. I, th- I think. Oh it's no, gonna, no, they're not. It's, I, th- I think it's going to take quite a few. Uh, the wheels falling off quite a few things before they suddenly start saying, "Well, we've really got to sort this out." On both sides, I think the riders are going to need some money, and I think the the TV execs are going to say, "We need programming." I think, yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. We, but the world doesn't need another cops. Well, last week we mentioned cops came out of last rider's strike. Another great show to come out of last rider's strike was America's Most Wanted. Great, which is just like cops, but uh, but you see at that different. at that point there was no reality TV. Now reality TV has pretty much they've done all they can do. Surely. Yeah, and I think uh, uh, and, and another interesting that. thing know, came out. I know of, more uh, more reality TV shows will keep coming up, but it, it's not they're not in the same position they were. Another interesting thing came out of the Writers Guild uh, earlier this week uh, when they said that they weren't going to pursue reality TV writers to be part of the guild. Uh, that uh, so so this thing that they they've been talking about for for so long that first got them onto our radar when they were talking about. Uh, writers for America's Next Top Model uh, is that now writers are not going to be considered under Writers Guild Awards if they're working on reality television, which is going to be some saving grace for the networks, uh, but then uh, causes conflicting problems for writers who are members of the Guild uh, who also have gigs on reality TV shows. Yep. That's, that's going to cause yep. quite a problem. And apparently quite a few shows in the US, uh, as we've mentioned before, are keeping on going because they have scripts written uh shows like uh for example cavemen everybody God. thinks would have gone uh but it's still going on <laughs> we're just picking I, up some, some more ads uh, taking the scripts from those well, I didn't, I didn't, they don't even they, need the, the no. ads ri- they don't even need the, the shows written i didn't even think they had they had writers at all i think they just had <laughs> recess money throwing shit at a wall and go, oh that's it that's that's how they come up with the show who do you think writes a better show, Rhesus Monkeys or Manatees? Uh, <laughs> it, it's hard to judge. They're just so different. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Um, news from Melbourne uh, from Friday night. The 7.30 reports Kerry O'Brien was ejected from a bar uh, in uh, Melbourne. Um, seemed to be some sort of cock-up. It was the uh, the long room, not the one at the MCG, but a uh, Melbourne bar in the city. Uh, an observer who witnessed it said there was a guy... Uh, carried out under the arms by two burly bouncers, kicking his legs and yelling and screaming and saying, leave me alone. Uh, these bouncers were carrying him. They pushed him to the pavement. He dropped his phone and it broke and he fell. Um, this affects us how, Brett? I, you know, I don't mean to denigrate you. Well, I do. But the... Uh, it's Kerry O'Brien got kicked out of a bar. Yeah. And then apologised to by uh, bar management, saying that uh, security was a little bit overzealous. So, so no word of why he was kicked out, why he was carried and um, kicking and screaming. He he was uh, taking a mobile phone call in a corridor uh, that apparently was off limits to patrons. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, not intoxicated at all. With his pants down? Uh, no. No. No, just talking. Getting away from the noise of the main bar. Ross is a bit stunned and at then, the thought he, of Kerry O'Brien with his pants down. <laughs> and, then he, uh, and then he started bad-mouthing Katrina Roundtree. <laughs> <laughs> But, but they, they pressed on with this. They pressed on with the skit anyway. <laughs> what a trooper she is! Uh, in brief news, uh, NBC is planning a, uh, a a spin-off from The Office. Uh, mm. That's all they've they've touted it. They're planning it. Uh, they're the, not. They're, they're not entirely sure how it's going to work. The the thing of doing it the way 
private practice spinoff from Grey's Anatomy. I mean, the office is already obviously a spinoff of the UK office. Or, well, it's not really. It's a recreation, kind yeah. of extension I, 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 of. I, I don't know if we need another office. I mean, it's doing well for them. Uh, it's apparently up against the two highest rating shows on television over in the states, uh, and, and it holds its own. Uh, I think so. This is, I, just, uh, I, just, I just, I'm not sure we need another uh, another wacky boss and another wacky crew of people. I, I don't think we need that either. Uh, but. Then again, the number of things that we haven't needed that networks like NBC have have actually done. That's true. Uh, just ridiculous. Uh, also, And it would be much funnier than Carpoolers. I, I like Carpoolers. It's a cute show. Also, uh, Fox Network is looking at doing a US version of the UK show Spaced. Ah. Uh, Popular uh, with some of our listeners. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, excellent show. Siren Pig is uh, obviously getting very well known amongst... Uh, the nerdarati in the US and uh, and the office being so successful, Fox wants to cash in on that. And uh, yeah, HBO HBO are doing a really interesting show, a really interesting show that's going to be a lot of television viewing for us definitely. Uh, it's going to star Gabriel Byrne. It's called In Treatment, and it will follow uh, five psychotherapy patients in their sessions with their therapist. Gabrielle Byrne plays plays the therapist. It will start airing on Monday night, January the 28th at 9.30. These are half-hour episodes, nine weeks' worth, uh, following five characters. Each night of the week will be a different character. So on the Monday night will be the first character, on the Tuesday night the second, uh, up until Thursday. And then on Friday, it will actually be Gabrielle Byrne's character in training therapy with his therapist. Five nights a week, two and a half hours of HBO uh, therapy drama over nine weeks. Really interesting. I don't know how it's going to play out. HBO have been really uh, unlucky or just haven't had the uh, just haven't had the skills lately. With, with it seems. the with the four episodes, the Monday to Thursday episodes, is that just in counselling? I think or so. Or do we see them out in their lives as well? From what I've read, it seems like it's just in counselling. It seems like it's going to be really hard-going television. Yeah, it'll have uh, to be very well written. Because, yeah. Because, I mean, that's much more like a play. Yeah, I think it's going to be very interesting to, to see how it how it plays out. Maybe maybe it will be out and about, but... Maybe you'll uh, have flashbacks. Mm, and Talking it's like, about the week that's just passed and... Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a huge amount of it's a huge amount of work for uh, for Gabriel Byrne. If it's huge, it is just a huge amount of work for everybody involved in it. And I'm talking mm. creators, uh, creators, producers, writers, actors, but also audience. That's a huge commitment for an audience to make. But it as sounds well. like Gabriel Byrne is going to be in pretty much every minute of the two and a half hours per yes. week. So. Yes, but there are some people who would just say that's not enough Gabriel Byrne on TV. <laughs> Uh, David Gingell's back in town and has taken up the reins as CEO of Channel 9. Um, and uh, he's relying on the help of the company that he's just left, Granada Productions, uh, to uh, work up a new reality show for the network. Uh, filming at Fox Studios, it's called Food Fight, uh, which features two local family-run restaurants uh, having a bit of an overhaul. It's uh, kind of a, a rehash of my restaurant rules with a dash of Gordon Ramsay's uh, kitchen nightmares. Julian Cress uh, is back and uh, working on the show. Um, you'll know Julian from The Block. Ah, uh, uh, yes. 
Jules. And uh, there are there Julio. are there are rumours that which the one block- was he, Gavin or what? <clears throat> no, no, neither. No producers. There are rumours that the block is uh, going to be coming back to the screens for a new season. Um, however, uh, Chris, no, um, the other guy, Gav, was <laughs> Bree. <laughs> Fitzy. Yeah, David Barber. Ah, right. Ah, um, oh, Barbs. <laughs> Barberino. At this point, he's planning to come back from okay. L- L- LA. I don't, I, don't think, uh, I, I don't think it's too bad an idea to, to warm up the block again. No, n- neither. I mean, it was... I think uh, it was a good show. There was far too much product placement, but I, th- I think it was a good show. I think it failed under the weight of its expectations in the second year. I think it was such a runaway hit in the first year. Channel 9 just expected it to be just as big or bigger than second year. It wasn't. But I think it's. I, I think if they scale it down a little, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a winner show and for them. Nobody lost money on that show, that's no, for sure. No, exactly. It, it paid for itself. And I think uh, you'd be struggling to drive down any street in Melbourne at the moment and not see some kind of construction yeah. going on in mm-hmm. the house. I think people are interested in it. And, uh, and I, also, I also think that uh, if they do it a little bit more stylishly, maybe uh, understanding that the audiences will be a little bit more cynical about it this time around, uh, it could work wonders for it because it had, it had the makings of, of a really addictive show. And, and I think uh, less kind of trying to beef up the inter-character relationships and, and, and bitchiness and drama, which I think was, was another failing point of the second block. I think let let the building aspect speak for itself. And if, if there's conflict, great, but don't try and, you know, don't try and be constantly stoking the fires to make the people hate each other. And get me and Ross on board as consultants. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Uh, also, My Restaurant Rules, Josh and I are both fans of this show. Um, yeah, it was a I great show. Half the first series and all the second series. I really liked it. You watched the second series? I watched, this, I watched the second series all the way through, Did and guys, I found it really, really watchable and addictive. Yeah. Did you guys uh, ever go down and line up outside uh, the old St Kilda railway oh, station? Oh, God, no. 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 <clears throat> and the other, that was in the first series, and the second one was... Um, I think that was the further second up, series. No, 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 that was that the was first, first series, series. and the second one was just around the corner from there. Yeah, too. further up Fitzroy Street, uh, and... Uh, and has been empty pretty much since the show stopped uh, filming. Mm. So you know that doesn't say much about uh, about that chance. But uh, no, it's, it was more about the actual watching the show and, and the, the natural drama of the show. Plus, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of, of food shows, and uh, and I love to see what a kitchen prepares to try to impress people. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah. had all uh, those aspects. And it, yeah, it was quite interesting. A lot of the judging, you know, when the uh, watching how they coped with when the judges came in, and then watching how they coped when the uh, undercover judges came in. It was, it was, it was a good show. Yeah, and that is the box cutters news. And we're so glad to have back after some infighting and then exchange of chocolates. Our European correspondent, James Talia. Yeah, I hope you enjoyed the chocolates. I, I did. I did, but Good. I think they were part of your secret plan to make me fat and unattractive. No, not at all. That could never possibly happen. And, uh, <laughs> and it really was just a peace offering, nothing more, nothing less. Why, why didn't Brett or I see, see these chocolates? How come Josh has had them all? Oh, well, you were meant to. Ah, I see, I see. <laughs> You've been wrong. Oh, once again. With the game, Josh. <laughs> oh, I was wondering why you sent me three boxes. <laughs> <laughs> Did you think it was because I was that nasty? <laughs> <laughs> 
Yes, now, that's uh, exactly right. Are we going to explain? Yeah, well, I'll explain. Yeah, you explain. I got onto the blog and threw all my toys out of the cot. That's what. Happened. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, you know what? I think I think the points he made were fair. This was uh, this was uh, at a time when we were talking about uh, journalists being on the uh, on the front lawn of uh, of. Uh, people's houses who were who were yeah. mourning the loss of uh of family members and uh and trying to get comments out of them and yep. uh and you know on the show we were going well how dare they that's that's ridiculous and uh you got on the blog and went how dare they how dare you and <laughs> well kind of yeah in a manner of speaking i guess i was just trying to say that um it's too easy to say that all journos are assholes that's all which is um, which is i think a fair point and that the, the, a lot of a lot of us hate having to do, having to do that sort of thing, but it is uh, often part of the job. And uh, you know, a lot of people expect to see that on their news and in their newspapers when something horrible happens. Unfortunately, uh, it's it's for whatever reason it's the done thing that the family should be approached. And the other point that I made on the blog is that to, to an extent that always amazes me, people are often willing to talk. In fact, want to as though it's something cathartic for them. I'm not saying that we're performing any great um, public service in allowing them to, but I, I am always amazed by that. Yeah, I, I, think, that, I think that amazes all of us. Uh, and I suppose until we're put in that position, none of us actually knows. And I think and, that's... And touch wood, we won't. But, yeah. but yeah, you're right. Um, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe it's the uh, big brotherization of tragedy that uh, people just want to have their 15 minutes of fame with it, whichever way they can get it. Yeah, maybe, I don't know, but there have always, I mean, it's always been the way, though, that it's, it's not as though people have only just started talking in those circumstances in, over the past 10 years, so, it's, you know, that's, that's always, the death knock, as it's known, sadly, um, is a, a, a well-established, long-standing practice of, of news reporting. Now, and that's, this conversation is in our past, we've made up, we've hugged. We have. It's all some, been great. Of, some of us have got chocolates. <laughs> some of us have got chocolates. Others uh, are just going to have to imagine how nice those chocolates were. I didn't actually get any chocolates. There weren't, there weren't any real chocolates. Now, now, Jim, I can see uh, I can see Brett lining you up from across the desk here. And, uh, and, he's, and, he, whenever and, you're on the phone, James, he, he really he leans over the desk <laughs> like he's ready to pounce. Yeah, it's like, amazing. Yeah, but you know what? That's how he gives himself away. He's so kid eager. That's how he blew, that's how he blew it last week as well. Guessing there was a conspiracy theory happening yesterday. <laughs> anyway, anyway, he, he, we'll get to him in a sec. Uh, yeah, right. But uh, I've got some uh, some curly questions for you. Have you ever said when you're uh, on a big story, "I'm not leaving without my money shot"? <laughs> uh, no. Really, you've never told the cameraman that? I don't think so. Are not you in, sure? Not in so many words. Well, because we because uh, a, a few weeks ago we reviewed this really cool show called Moonlight, which was about a uh, a vampire detective, and it was a really really cool show. <laughs> oh, it's it's yeah. it's super hot right now. And the uh, and <laughs> yeah. and and there's a reporter in it, and apparently all uh, all reporters say that according to her. Oh, well, of course, that's right. See, which is um exactly I think how I ended up spitting the dummy on the blog. All oh, right. <laughs> yeah, no, I say that all the time. Ah, right. You're okay. Right, you got me. I, I, uh, I also want to ask: uh, Have you ever been first on the scene, and when the police say, "Go back," I'm not answering any questions. You say to them, "Oh, go on. I was first on the scene." <laughs> 
Because apparently then they tell you everything. It, it yeah, really yeah, works. They, they just go, oh, yeah, you're right, actually. Yeah, well yeah. done. Good job. Um, what do you want to know? Oh, exactly. That's, well, that's how it worked on the show. And the other thing I was going to ask you, have you, have you considered moving to maybe uh, online new media? Because the facilities they've got are, are amazing they've on this got online razor, place. Razor scooters in the office. They've got nine nine screen camera wall broadcasting what they're putting out on the net at all times. See those wacky internet funsters. <laughs> and you know what else? All the all the major news networks pick up whatever they put on the air anyway. So you may as well of do that. Of course they do. Of course, I, yeah. And I, I think. They're, because they're everywhere. Yeah, exactly. I, I and I think it's a bit of a time for a change for you. Your your standards seem to have been slipping a bit recently. I saw you on the news tonight doing a thing on Tutankhamen. You didn't even get an interview. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, uh, yeah, you're right. You got me. Um, I really uh, I'm letting things slide a little bit. Um, in fact, you know, I didn't even go to Egypt and put in a bid. So, um, <laughs> You're right, you got me. I, I have to hang my head. I just wish I hadn't been exposed in this public manner. But, <laughs> did, you know, I can't get anything past you guys. I didn't see the story, James, but did you at least have footage from Steve Martin doing the old King Tut routine? <laughs> it would have been rude not to, Josh. Oh, just as well. Just as well. Of course. Now, uh, Ross, are, are you done? You got, you yeah, got yeah, questions? I'm done. I've, uh, got, I've got a serious question for later. Geez, but... I feel totally berated. I, <laughs> I, 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 wanna... I'm like punch drunk. <laughs> we had the news a, a couple of weeks ago that BBC were uh, basically sacking everyone and we're going to get the work experience student to do all stories for all media. Yeah. Uh, how's that news been taken uh, around journos in, uh, in the UK? Well, not very well. All the BBC types are talking about going on strike. Um, I'm, I'm very much in two minds about this one, I have to say, um, because uh, I, I really do think that, that uh, if the BBC is just going to be slashing and burning its news department for the sake of saving funds and it's not properly targeted, um, then they really should look very hard at a lot of the other things they're doing. Um, like, like they're not very good digital channels? Well, it's not even that they're not very good, but they're they're kind of very niche. A couple of the digital radio channels. I'm I'm not saying that, you know digital radio channels are shit or whatever. It's just an example of something which they produce, which has a niche audience. And I'm not sure you want to be cutting back on your main um, BBC One TV news bulletins and the way they're produced um, when you could be cutting back in other areas. Perhaps that's an, an outsider's point of view. Um, I just think the you know news is the BBC's core business. It's what they're known for around the world. It's what they're famous for. It's what they do better than just about anyone, and they don't want to mess with that. But but they're also I mean they're, they're, they are also cutting back on TV drama. They're also cutting back on on comedy. They're, they're yeah. cutting back uh, across the board. Uh, and I, I, I think the same argument applies that surely there must be something else you can do without more than. TV drama and comedy is on BBC it, One and BBC Two. This, to me, um, seems seems like a case of them just uh, spitting the dummy and, and saying, right, government, if you're not going to give us the money that we asked for and the licences, we're going to take our bat and ball and go home. Yeah, I think there's an element of that, so there may still be scope for um, a little bit of a retreat on some of these plans. I mean, the other thing that they're, they're talking about doing is sell it, selling Television Centre, which is... Um, uh, an enormous building in Shepherd's Bush in kind of central west London for 
those who don't know it, it's actually a very Australian area, Shepherd's Bush, but it is fast becoming prime London real estate. Telecentre has been around for just about you know, 40 or 50 years. Um, it's kind of an iconic building, and they're talking about splitting up everything that goes on in there and moving it to all sorts of different buildings all over the place and all over the country. Um, uh, now, you know whether or not that's a wise move as well, who knows? But having said all of that, I also have to say that... Um, the ABC, for quite some years now, has been doing something similar, where reporters file for both radio and TV in a lot of areas on the same story. And uh, it's also not, um, certainly in news, it's not unheard of. Well, in my opinion, in my limited uh, experience with the BBC a few years back, working as a freelance producer for them, they really are overstaffed in a lot of areas. They're pretty pampered. So, and, and I mean, that that does kind of make sense. If you've got a reporter who's doing the interviews, who who's gathering the knowledge uh, and who has the skills to do both, that's fine. But not all radio reporters would be able to be on television. Not all television reporters would be able to file for radio just just as a matter of, uh, of where their talents lie. No, that's right. And I think with the ABC, we've seen a lot of people who don't feel comfortable doing one or the other because they've grown up doing one and then uh, asked to do the other. More often than not, it has to be said, you find that people who really love being radio reporters don't much like being TV reporters as well. Um, but it has to be on a case-by-case basis too. It has to be... It has to depend on, on what sort of story it is and what it demands across the day. Um, so I don't think you can make it a hard and fast rule either. And uh, and also, I mean, we are looking at 8% of the BBC's workforce overall, and that's that doesn't seem like, uh, you know, the other networks, the other outlets there, including Sky, would be able to pick up that slack. I mean, no doubt uh, it's it's quite a saturated market as it is. Yeah, I mean, it's a big market, but it is saturated. Um, it gets more saturated every day when QF2 lands. And... Um uh, there are going to be some difficulties there. This happened after the after the last Gulf War um, as well in 2003 that everyone blew their budgets massively and the freelance market went very, very quiet. Uh, they just didn't have the money to spend in none of the media outlets. But, you know, that slack always gets picked up one way or the other and I also doubt that it's going to be a full 8%. Yeah, well, that's, you know, again, they've, they've put the numbers out but they've also said it's not going to happen until next year. Yeah, that's right, and I think there's still a lot of room to move there. But, yeah, as I said, I'm kind of really in two minds about this because there, there is that... I mean, I, I, now I'm going to sound like the commercial wanker, but there is that kind of public service mentality about this sort of public service broadcasting to an extent as well. I, I worked in one small area of the BBC for a few months. Um, it's BBC London. It's their local London news bulletin. So it's classified as a regional bulletin. Mm-hmm. And I was working as, uh, as on the planning desk and there were four people a day to line up stories for the next day. And um, that was it. And there were some days when I would do nothing more in my eight-hour shift than make a phone call. Right. And at the same time, you've got reporters shooting their own stories because they won't put cameramen on. <laughs> so um, the, uh, from my very small and limited experience, I'm suggesting that perhaps there are some areas the BBC could cut back on without necessarily having to slash their on-air products to the extent that they're talking about, and I think there's probably a little bit of politicking going on. Yep, I understand that. That mm. sounds fair. Now uh, we're going to let Brett out of the cage. <laughs> <laughs> go, Brett, go. I haven't, I, I, I'm not really feeling that case. Uh, James, um, 
David Gintel's uh, back on deck uh, and uh, making quite a few changes uh, immediately uh, as he's uh, returned. Any word on uh, when Young and the Restless is going to be back on air at Channel 9? <laughs> Young and the Restless? <laughs> I don't think W are going to let go of that one, Brad. No, I don't think so either. Why do I look like the editor of TV Week? <laughs> 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 in, uh, in, in fairness Rank to Nine, <laughs> in, in fairness to Nine, they didn't actually get rid of... Young and the Restless, W outbid them. So oh, nine, right? nine, yeah, yeah. Nine, 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 nine never wanted to get rid of it, but nine lost interest because of the catch up. No, 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 no. The catch up was a replacement for it. W outbid them, and they said, "Well, we don't care. We don't need programs on TV." And they found out that they're wrong. It is that is that is exactly the way that it happened. W W really really wanted Young and the Restless and outbid Nine, who thought that they could just pay what they've been paying all along because there, there was you know who would want Young and the Restless. Turns out W did. All right. Well, something but above all that, it, yeah. New CEO started a lot of changes happening. You come at me with the Young and the Restless. <laughs> is that all you got? Is that all you bloody got? No, no, no. I just thought Bring I'd start. <laughs> well, um, have you had the uh, new stationery delivered yet, James, uh, with the balls back on the logo? I don't have, I have any stationery. What are you talking about? <laughs> he, he doesn't even have I his own office. I've still got all the old Dotty stationery. <laughs> oh, you no. might need to change that. You might have to go back. Bureau, it never got replaced. <laughs> so, you, so you're up to date? I am up to date. Are, are the dots back? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I think it's only a matter of time, given uh, how, how many other old things that uh, David Gingell's bringing back to the <laughs> network. Like what? Uh, like David Barber, The Block. Really? Yeah, yeah. The Block's getting apparently getting uh, warmed up for another go. And uh, strong rumours, but Barber's back. Where's all this coming from? This is all unsourced rumour and speculation. <laughs> no, no, Barber, it's Brett's back news. Working. It's Brett's news, James. What would you expect? <laughs> Barber's back working on uh, the new kitchen reality show, Food Fight. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah. Those are a couple of talented guys. I know they were, and I, I from, you know, well, from what we read, um, Ginge and they are very close and work well together. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, hopefully a little bit of creative input from them could be handy. James, I don't think you have to comment on anything that comes <laughs> from Confidential via Brett. <laughs> oh, no, no, it's not, it's not from Confidential at all. I'm oh, crying out loud. So, yeah, that's how you got yourself in trouble last week. <laughs> As I pointed out on the blog, the interesting thing was that uh, he was taking legal action no, no, against no, no. against uh, the network and hiring uh, Llewellyn's legal team. Uh, have it's you heard easy anything? to be a revisionist on the blog, Brett. Have, whatever. Have, have you heard anything about uh, Lockie Murdoch buying up shares? No, it's all rubbish. It's all rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> Just rubbish. Now you're Glenn Dyer. <laughs> All right. Well, if we if we can take it uh, to a, a bit of a serious point, um, something that we didn't cover in the news. Uh, there was a Perth newsreader who um, Char- Charmaine Dragoon, who uh, who uh, seemingly well uh, was found at the bottom of the gap uh, in Sydney. Yeah, I, I think yeah. that uh, they've declared that uh, she committed suicide. Um, by jumping yep. off the bat gap. Now, she'd, she'd been presenting news for Perth out of Sydney. Um, some are saying that uh, that um, there may be an issue with with uh, this kind of dislocation between uh, new re- newsreaders in the communities that they're actually serving. Yeah, look, uh, I, I think we, we have to be extremely careful with that, if only because that is an allegation which has been strongly, very strongly refuted by TENS News Director Jim Carroll. The 
The comment was made by Kelly Nestor, who used to read TENS uh, Adelaide Bulletin out of Melbourne. Mm-hmm. They, do, they do Adelaide out of Melbourne and Perth out of Sydney. Kelly is now the Nine News reader in Adelaide. She's moved back there and made the comment that it's very difficult when you dislocate people, take them out of the communities for which they're actually reading the news. They're working in newsrooms where, where because they're in a city where no one sees them on air, um, they're not particularly known. They don't get invited to the same functions as the people sitting around them in the office do, things like that. That was the point she was making. Um, and as I say, Jim Carroll has strongly, strongly refuted that. I, 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 I didn't know Charmaine Dragoon. I have a couple of friends who were very close to her, who, as you would expect, are very upset. And I think it's too simplistic in any way to suggest that there's one single cause when something horrible like this happens, mm-hmm. whether it's someone who's on TV or not. Um, and I don't think it's for us to speculate on it. But... Um, Certainly, uh, it was known that she wasn't having a very good time in Sydney, but that's not necessarily the newsroom's fault. Mm. On uh, on on a, a related note, when something like this happens, I, I know that the television news community across all networks is very close. Yes. When uh, when a young death like this happens, it, it must it must really you know pull up stumps on the on the community as a whole throughout Australia. Yeah, I, I, it, it is. It is shocking, and I guess it's one of those terrible things where, um, you know, we're forever reporting people dying in horrible circumstances, and you tend to be able to remove yourself from it emotionally a little. Well, you have to, otherwise you couldn't do the job. And then all of a sudden something like this happens, and and we all act as though it's perhaps somehow more shocking or worse than any other death in similar circumstances, um, just because it's someone who's who's prominent to us. Um, and we, as a profession, have to be careful of that. But you're right, it does it does hit hard, but, you know, no harder than it would in any other office-type setting where, you know, a, a, a co-worker or colleague dies. But uh, overall, Josh, yeah, you're right. Um, and I think... Um, a lot of people start asking a lot of questions along the lines of the stuff that Brett was initially talking about, and there are privately a lot of people talking about a lot of those issues, and also issues, might I say, to do with the way um, some people are treated in newsrooms by other colleagues. Oh, okay, um, but but I also I also think that when it comes to when it comes to suicide, we always look for an answer. And, uh, you know, I don't think it's ever just one thing. No, I, well, in general, to generalise, I, I agree with you. And and I tend to think it's the same in this case. But that, that brings me to, to another point as well. And there seems to be, and I heard this from, from somewhere, I, I can't remember where, but the, there was this rule amongst, uh, in journalism in Australia, that suicides don't get reported. It's, it's a convention more than a rule right um clearly the convention is broken um when it's someone in the public eye it's a case-by-case basis but generally yes when it's someone in the public eye someone prominent that you know the rule of thumb is that um you don't necessarily report it every time someone you know jumps off the gap or the westgate bridge because you don't want to encourage copycats yep um and, it, and also because it happens, I think, far more frequently than any of us really probably know. Um, but when it's someone prominent, I guess it's balancing that, that those concerns with news judgment, legitimate news judgment. But even then, you'll note that, that, that 
there's a particular form of words, and it's always very cautiously reported. You'll find it'll be something like, um, Mr. X was found dead. Police say there are no suspicious circumstances, yes. which is usually the telltale giveaway line that it's believed to be suicide. Which is how it was on The Wire story uh, on Friday afternoon. It was. It was, yeah. And I've, I've been reading some online criticism from people who think it, it was a disgrace that Channel 10 didn't report it in their late news. Um, and, and this is something that got me really angry over the weekend, actually. Um, 10 specifically said they didn't report it at the family's request. Some people online, not on your blog but elsewhere, thought that that wasn't good enough and that, that um, news judgment should take precedence. Well, you know, any time someone dies and the family haven't been properly informed yet and police ask media to hold off on reporting it, we do. So, just as a little reality check to all the kids out there in Blogland, have a fucking good look at yourself. <laughs> On one particular site that I'm talking about, and I, I won't name it, but I, you know, I don't think it's any great. Give, it, give us the first letter. <laughs> does, does, it end, does it end in a dot .com? <laughs> uh, on, on another note, uh, yeah. and, and just quickly... Uh, maybe you were drunk, I don't know, but, but on the weekend you admitted something to me, James. <laughs> I did. I'd had a hard Friday night. And, uh, and look, I, I'm still prepared to keep this secret if, if you want it kept secret. I, I, no, no, I want to get it out. I you want to get, get it out? out? Yeah. I, All right, I you, because, because I need the support of my family and friends at this time. You sent me an email saying, how bad is it on a scale of badness to consider... Two and a half men a guilty pleasure. <laughs> That's what I sent to you. That is what you sent to me. And, and this That's is uh, this is unfortunately our final show with James. <laughs> <laughs> now, now oh, I said whatever media credibility I had has just immediately evaporated. I no, said, no, your media credit, your media is fine. Your TV watching credibility is just. <laughs> I sent an email back saying, you know, I, I understand that you're going through a tough time over there at the moment, <laughs> and also I would put that uh, squarely at the feet of the terrible. Uh, level of imports on free to wear UK TV. Yeah, yeah, except it's on, it's on cable. Right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah. Uh, I call me silly. I just kind of get a kick out of the way the kid pays Charlie Sheen out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying every episode. I'm not saying you know every line in every episode by any means. Sometimes I just get a chuckle out of it. You, you know, this means that I now have to go and, and give it another look. I think I think if we let's get let's get postmodern about it. I think you need to look at the way that Charlie Sheen playing this character is actually playing himself. Right. Get a kick out of that too. Okay. Well, you know, when summer comes along, <laughs> I'll, uh, when, yeah. when the crickets exactly. rained out. Yeah. When, when the crickets rained out. Midnight on those long summer nights. Yeah. Hey, uh, Josh gave you uh, some copies of a show called. John from Cincinnati. I can't even bring myself to say it. <laughs> I know how much you loved it. Have, have you watched that? Um, I have not as yet. I've actually been having a little trouble um, making it work, which I'm sure is entirely my fault and not yours. You, you have the same problem when you watch it. <laughs> <laughs> it could just be a dodgy disc, James. I'll send you another one. I, I also uh, I also had to ask you, James, what did you make of the uh, of the whole Tony Abbott stuff um, with the uh, with Nicola Roxon? I mean, you've been you've attended these sort of things. I don't know if you've attended press club things per se, but um, yep. how on earth does he swear at her with something like? 20 to 30 cameras and microphones pointed at him. 
Well, how, well, how on earth does he? Oh, well, he just does, I guess. Yeah, but, I mean... How, how, no, how does that work? bullshit. It's bullshit. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it was... Uh, I, yeah, it shouldn't have been difficult for him to figure out that that probably was going to get him in trouble or that he was going to get busted or recorded or overheard doing that. There, there was one angle that all you could see behind him was was shadows of microphones and cameras. And like, I just, <laughs> I can't understand. I mean, I understand that, you know, it was just kind of a spare-of-the-moment thing and obviously he didn't think it through. But yeah. but how does that happen? Well, how does it happen? Well, I, I really, I mean, I, just, I don't think there's anything... Um, I mean, if, if, if there truly were that many cameras and microphones around, then really he's got no one to blame but himself. Yeah. Like, you know, there's the old rule in telly and, the, and an older rule in radio. Um, whenever you're in front of a mic, assume it's live. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and of course... It's this... safer that way. And I would have thought for politicians in the middle of, a, middle of an election campaign with the media standing in front of them, the same rule should probably apply just for safety's sake. I, I would have thought so. But that was off the back of him being half an hour late for a televised debate uh, uh, between him and, and uh, the health shadow, um, yeah. which uh, he was delayed for because of a health uh, statement or um, platform launch in Melbourne. Yeah. Uh, I mean, is there any possible way that he was taking the thing seriously anyway? I think you'll find that that's probably, in, in fairness to him, um, uh, something that he would have been uh, required to do by... So it's Howard that's not taking it seriously? By campaign headquarters. No, 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 I don't think it's that. I think it's it's bad planning. It's, yeah, it's, it's, just, planning. it's, it's just bad timing, isn't it? Because the, the thing in Melbourne ran long. Well, the um, thing in Melbourne ran long. They thought they had, you know, they, they thought they had everything worked out down to the minute, um, and they did, and it was fine until... You know, Howard was a few minutes late and then spent more minutes than was on the schedule meeting and greeting people, yep. and then, and on it goes. Yep. And, and, and as he should, you know, a Prime Minister's schedule shouldn't be governed by where the Health Minister has to be. It's unfair of the, those framing the campaign schedule to put any of those politicians in that position. Yep. Tony Abbott was told, go to Melbourne because you're the Health Minister. The Prime Minister's making a health announcement. It looks shit if you're not there. We'll make sure you get to, back to Canberra in time. They didn't. Yep. He looks like a tool, not them. Yep. And, and uh, you know, I, I don't ever like to say anything nice about Tony Abbott because uh, the man puts shivers down my spine and, <laughs> and I have fears that he's going to come to me at night and steal my teeth. But uh, <laughs> the, uh, the thing is, to, to put yourself in, him, in his shoes, uh, if you're going through that many screw-ups in a day... Yeah. When you get to your last thing on the day, or not even your last no, thing, you only have to... to his credit, he did late line that night as well. Yeah, yeah. You're only, life yeah. Debate and, and, you're only uh, halfway through through your day, and it it really must take a lot out of you. I wouldn't want to be in his position for, for anything. That being said, uh, good on him for saying bullshit on air. And also, yeah. people, people have been saying for quite a few weeks now, he just looks really tired in person, apparently. He's just... He's just past it, they reckon. Well, if he's coming yeah, to me I while I'm asleep that. and stealing my teeth, <laughs> he really, he's got to relax sometime. Yeah, that's it. But also, uh, he's, he's, I'm going to leave you with this question because I know we're probably out of time. Is it really that big a deal to say bullshit on air anymore? No. That, no. was, that was his defence on... with all this confected outrage? Well, no, but oh, that was... such a horrible man. He's being so horrible to that Nicola Roxon. Nicola Roxon would fucking swear a blue... <laughs> <laughs> None of these people are shrinking violets, liberal, labour, whatever. It's bullshit. And he, yeah. he'd set a precedent months 
before by uh, defending something by saying shit happens. And and you know what? And if Latham if Latham had said it four years ago, we all would have applauded it. And uh, that having been said, his defence of it on Late Line by saying, "Well, you hear bullshit on the ABC all the time," is hardly a defence. <laughs> yeah, but it's also well, putting thing in context. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, I don't know. Look, it, clearly these things are being reported on a case by case basis as well. <laughs> James- I mean, it was very, it was very embarrassing for him. It was, it, it looked bad. It was unwise to be sure, but. Um, you know, sometimes things happen in the campaign bubble when we all lose a little bit of perspective or it's all about point scoring from the other side, which is fine. That's what they're there to do. Yep. James Talley, you are Channel 9's European correspondent. You are our un-Australian correspondent. Thank you so much once again for spending time with us. And I have stationery that says just that. Thank you. <laughs> with <pleasure>. balls. <laughs> we'll see you in a month. Good evening, viewers. This is Sandra Sultry. I've been playing with my box on the box gutters. Sopranos. Finally, finally, we can talk up about on it. Australian screens this week, and uh, and we can talk about. That's it. It's not much to say, really. There isn't. No, no, that's it. It was just thought we'd let you know. It was very dramatic seeing Tony getting whacked in the last scene. Uh, oh. get, getting whacked! I saw my cable dropped out. <laughs> right. Hang on! No, 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 no! I'm no, just, I'm just oh, sure. he almost no. He almost gets whacked, but then in the next episode, comes back and kills all the heads of all the other families. Did ah, you see that? That's that's right. What even little Carmine? Everyone. He was a nice guy. Little uh, Carmine. Little, you know what? Little Carmine sided with the wrong people, Brett. I was just testing Brett to make sure he He had actually seen it. He has seen it, so we can talk about it. Now, if you, uh, we're not going to give a comprehensive Sopranos rundown. We did that in uh, the Golden Age of Television. So, if you're interested in that, that's in episode eighty-nine. You can go back and listen to that. We're just going to talk about the last series. I, I thought this last series was the best they've done in years. This mm-hmm. th- this last six episodes uh, were well, well, how could it how could it avoid being that because there was so much action there there were so many people that that we've seen throughout the the six series that were getting bumped off yeah but it's it's not about that though it's not about the bumping off and this is this is I think what the the final episode should show us is that it's not about the bumping off it's it's about the uh, the the natural drama of their lives and uh, and how they try to live with uh, the things they've done and the people they are and that is is shown perfectly not not only at the very end of the series which I think was magnificent but also in I think it's the second episode of of that last season when uh, they're at the house by the lake first step the first step they're the the weekend away at the house by the lake. Uh, where, where Tony, Tony and and Bobby, uh, and and their families, they're all there together, and secrets are being brought up, and Tony and Bobby have that fight. Uh, this is, this is the drama and the, the minutia of, of their lives. I mean, this is something that uh, we've seen in the last say two seasons, but never as strongly as as we saw in, in this season. I, I just thought it was. Superb and and what a great way to end it out. That having been said, the uh, whacking people off, as uh, Brett put it, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was. Uh, I, I don't think I said that, did I? Uh, it it was it was very impactful. Uh, those last four episodes are just staggering, starting with the one where uh, Tony kills Christopher, mm. which oh. 
which I, I mean, I found it very hard to watch at that point. I thought I, you know, I sat there watching it, and it's, I think it's the first time I've ever thought I, I, I'm not enjoying this with Sopranos. I, I, I love Sopranos so much, but I found that I found that so hard to watch, and I, I never realised that Christopher was probably my favourite character in the Sopranos until he's gone fantastic and but but the manner in which he died too it wasn't a cliched you know shootout or you know vendetta or he didn't you know didn't get flipped and then they killed him like Adriana or something it was you know to have Tony to have Tony suffocate him like that after the car crash and then and then not show not show any remorse in fact have that uh, that uh, that release, yeah, that that uh, drug experience <laughs> out in Vegas uh, with the peyote, and and just suddenly that realization at the end of the episode where he's you know he's there going, I'm free, I'm free. I mean that was just and a few episodes before that he was thinking about killing Paulie. Yes, that which was, was so tense. Yeah, tense the whole episode. And this is, I think, I think you know it's it's easy to forget because we're so used to seeing James Gandolfini as Tony Soprano. Uh, that that I think sometimes we we mistake them for the same person, but it, it's it's really important to remember this is what a great actor James Gandolfini is. That moment where you see the realization in his face, where he goes, "Well, I have I have this moment and only this moment to get rid of this problem that is such a monkey on my back," uh, is is just superb acting, mm. and. Uh, uh, but then, then there's also just as far as general drama goes, that whole thing with AJ. Exactly, the next episode where AJ tries to kill himself. I mean, that's two episodes in a row, which is just like a double punch to the chest. I mean, I don't know how you did it, cramming them all in before this week today. Show. Today, <laughs> oh, God. Uh, but but I, I don't know why you not why you didn't turn up in tears, Brad. I, I mean, I mean that's yeah, that's that's so impactful when AJ tries to kill himself and and you know the rope the ropes slightly too long uh and, and yeah just tony running in and saving him i mean that's, that's I found, just I found amazing. It a little bit unbelievable that one cinder block would be enough to to actually hold him down really that he couldn't that he couldn't duck down to the bottom of the pool and grab it and push back up and chuck it over <laughs> the side of the pool he was panicking it's oh my god <laughs> brett i want to know what you because because you know brett's our every man Yep. <laughs> what did you think of the end? I, I mean, you knew that there was controversy. You, you knew pretty much how it ended. Had, did, which which ruins it. Yeah. I mean, when when, when we, we watched, watched it, it, you had no idea what the ending was, which mm-hmm. was which was great. And just the fact that people are going. I mean, even if you say, you know, oh, watching Sopranos, oh, the ending. I mean, yeah. I mean that that puts something in your mind straight away. And I I thought that my download was was a bit messy <laughs> right. when when I watched it. Yeah. I thought, oh no, what's? Oh no, hang on. Right, I get it. Yeah, you know, yeah. It was that was that little bit of a of shock of well, what's going to happen next? Yeah, yeah. and uh, and to me, that's that's why. Sorry, I asked you a question, Brett, and I'm just answering for myself until you work out your answer. And the other thing uh, with the download is because you get that blank bit of screen, then the credits start. But because it's illegal and they cut the credits off, <laughs> you get like about a minute or two, a second or two of the credits. Then it goes then, back to normal TV. Yeah. So <laughs> that's, what? That, that's just freaky. But I, I kind of, I got it at that point and went, right, I see, you know, he is going to be looking over his shoulder yeah. for, for the rest of his yeah, life. In the same way that we, that we felt that, you mm. know, uh, is that... I thought a- you, don't, you don't think he got... No. No. I don't think he got whacked. I don't think it, it was uh, it was his way I think he was screwed of, either way. I don't think it was his way of saying... Um, yeah, you know, David Chase's way of saying "fuck you" to the audience. 
and I don't think which which seems to be a common theme in in people's complaints, and yeah. and I don't think it was leaving the door open for more Sopranos down the line. I what think this movie? is no, no, not at all. I think this is just perfect like, ending. This is just but life like the feds, goes on. The feds had the case against him because Carlo. It had, doesn't. That's, that's it, exactly the point. There's always going to be something over his shoulder. No, no, but I'm, I'm saying he was he was screwed either way. He was either yeah. going to be bumped off or he was going to be in prison. So it did, does, didn't no, really matter. No, not necessarily. Who, who, because the feds have had cases against him in the past, and and he's gotten he's gotten out of that. And, and he's been, go, and they've tried to whack him in the past, and he's gotten over that. And if you go to the end of the episode before, when all the things are going wrong, when Seal's been hit, when Bobby's been hit, and and he's hiding out in that rat fested mm. apartment, you think he's going to die at the next episode. You, you think in the final episode something like that will happen because everything's just looking so grim at the end of the 11th episode and then the ship kind of manages... Uh, the end, Sorry, the end of the 8th episode. Then the ship kind of manages to right itself. On the 20th episode. Or, yeah, whichever. Yeah. Uh, and the ship kind of manages to right itself and they get to move back into their house and, and kind of things go back to some semblance of normality. Mm. And and that's that's how I took the end. The Life just goes on. There'll I did wonder why they things. would go out and have a... Meal in public. Because, so, because that's, that's, life okay, goes hold, on. Hold on a sec. Who would whack him? What what script or story justification could anybody have for whacking him? If somebody had whacked him, who would it have been? But this is... This is no, no, what, no, 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 no. I want to hear. I want to hear. He this. doesn't have an answer. But he's the everyman, and the everyman keeps saying this. But this, and, and this is, and this is, <laughs> that, this that, is my that point. Little, that little, that uh, little Igor-looking dude. That he was, made the deal with him. Phil Leotardo's. He made the deal with him. The my. I, yeah, but I, still, I make, still, he had doubts that that he wasn't going to go back on his word. But doubts. That. That's what it's all about. <laughs> it's there are doubts. He's always looking over his shoulder. But there and you this go. is so, so th- there's somebody the, who could have been coming in to whack him. With the uh with the all all the coverage that happened after the end of the Sopranos, which I think was grossly unfair on the whole of the media to do. Uh the uh the the thing is what I realized was people wanted to see him whacked. I, th- I think without a doubt. I think that's what that's what people were after. And I, I think- never wanted to see him whacked. I wanted to see Paulie whacked. I can't believe that <laughs> he got through completely unscathed. He was such a little freaking turd for the entire run of the show. You wanted to see... You- he was an asshole. You wanted to see some blood splatter on his white shoes. That would have made you happy. <laughs> on any one of his seven pairs of white shoes. That's... But that's part of the thing. That's what Sopranos does. It confounds your expectations. And you but want- I never wanted to see... No, 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 but okay, just but say he, you want Paulie Paulie whacked, in a sense, is the bad guy is the bad guy losing, the good guy's winning, in a sense, would you agree? If you take it right back to to kind of archetypes. Well, it's just degrees of badness, I guess. But but why did you want him whacked? Because he's a bad guy. Yeah. Because you didn't cause, like him. Because he, didn't cause like he him. was a, a selfish cocksucker. <laughs> See, isn't that great? And then And you Bobby, didn't want Bobby you didn't want Bobby Buckle up. He probably whacked. didn't want Sill whacked either. Mm, but they know, get he whacked. A, he was a no. Um, well, Sill wasn't whacked. Wow. No, it, it was an attempt. <laughs> yeah. There was, you know, a serious Sill, attempt. Sill was hit. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but, but Bobby, you know, everyone loved Bobby. And he was such a nice guy. And he did all those wonderful things for Junior. Mm. And mm. you didn't like him. He was your, a bit of a waste of space. By like your that. logic, Janice should have been whacked. Oh fuck yes! <laughs> oh my god, she should have been whacked back in back with what's his face? With a, a, a boyfriend, husband with a what? A preel or yeah? Or yeah. after? Was it a preel? Uh, preel was the first. The first one. The one was uh, Johnny's brother. 
yeah, that that uh, that had been in prison. Yeah, and he hit her, and so yes. she yeah, she yeah, shot yeah. him. And they've got that great bit in the in the uh, what happened last series. Uh, a great cut together where. Uh, Oh, did you bury him <laughs> on the hill <laughs> overlooking the stream? <laughs> then they cut to the butcher shop and you see him just covered in blood and industrial. So, <laughs> well, you know what? I'm really going to miss The Sopranos. Greatest ever? Uh, Greatest ever? I think that, you know what? I, I think it had too many dips, too many dips in between for it to be greatest ever. If I look at, if I look at short series that have had the... Uh, the, the benefit of, of not being extended uh, over and over time, uh, like Carnival, where every single episode is is gold. Uh, and there were some Sopranos episodes where uh, it wasn't great. See, see I've, I've thought that too, watching it as, as they come in. Mm-hmm. But I, I think... I think if you watch them again as a whole, which, which I'm going to do this summer, I, I think you'd have a different perspective. I mean, I'll week, be interested on a week to with see no cricket. That. Yeah, I think you got uh, three and a half good seasons out. Really? Yeah. But that that last season really, real, really nailed it for me. That's what television should be. I, I think that um, too. I think a few, um, very few shows get to end on their own terms. Hopefully, Lost. Yes, will get to do it. Uh, the only other ones I can think of are really comedies. That get to do it with like Seinfeld and Cheers, and I think Family Ties. Near, neither Seinfeld or Cheers was considered that successful when they did. I don't remember Family Ties. Did people consider that to be a, a success? I don't know. I cried, but I, <laughs> I was a big Family Ties fan. Yeah, I, it just doesn't happen with drama that that they get to, and and it's such an original ending. No one's done this before. He did it so brilliantly. I think um, even with Journey in the background. Well, I think that that's that's great in itself, you know. Yeah. No, it was. Uh, I, I thought it was a perfect end. But uh, a, a little uh, sadness that a current affair felt they needed to run a story on the ending before it screened what? that night. Oh, really? So uh, yeah, what? Oh, that's ridiculous. Bang up job of They're screwing themselves. Quick, quick, quick! Idiots. We got to do four. Hi, this is Pete Smith. You've been listening to or have just missed. Box cutters. Because we're running out of time. This is uh, turning out to be a long episode. This how, how, fall how season. could you have just missed it? If you turned the podcast on and then went He's away. He's used to things you know, being Pete's live. He's not completely au fait with the new technology. He's used to things being we'll, live. We'll get him back so that uh, he can make He'll up understand his, his misspeak. So this week we're doing Chuck and uh, no. Pushing Daisies. No, no. No, Reaper. <laughs> Reaper and Pushing yeah, Daisies. Yeah, that's what I said. Chuck and Pushing Daisies. No, because in Reaper... Wait a sec. I, uh, they're the same show. No. No. They're not the same show. Bear with me. Wait. Bear with, no, no. In Reaper, the main character's name is Sam. <laughs> Does he work uh, for the nerd head? Well, let Ross go. Uh, they're both nerd slackers with no discernible ambition. They both work in a Best Buy type store. They both got wacky Jack Black inspired best friends. They're both chasing beautiful uh, yet to realistically. Be fair, I think one of them has a Seth Green inspired friend. <laughs> they're both chasing. <laughs> Uh, beautiful yet realistically unobtainable women. They're both propelled into a new life unwittingly by a loved one. They're both chaperoned in this new life by aggressive, intimidating father-type figures. Uh, their new life is wild, exciting, and unbelievably dangerous, yet somehow they excel in it, providing them with the final maturing element that had previously been missing within their life. It's the same yeah, what's, show. What's your point? It's the same show. It doesn't point? get particularly mature. 
No, neither does Sam in Reaper. It's, it's okay. the same. Now, is Sam, has hang Sam on, in me... Reaper got all the secrets of the NSA and, no, and everybody so what, in his head? No, so what or... happens in Reaper is Sam turns 21. He discovers that his parents have sold his soul to the devil. Uh, and uh, and that soul gets uh, gets passed on on his twenty first birthday. So the day he turns twenty twenty one, he gets visited by the devil, and the devil sets him to work. Doesn't want to kill him. Doesn't want to take his soul down to hell. Sets him to work to start collecting souls that have escaped from hell and are causing havoc on Earth. Well, that sounds like fun. It does, doesn't it? I want to watch it. It's uh, it's created. Do, do you like Chuck? It's the same show. It's, it, I do like Chuck, and it really is the same show as Chuck. It, it's it's so similar. But, it's but, it's ridiculous. But if he's if he's an agent of the devil, then surely he has some sort of supernatural powers. And there, there, is, there is a slight supernatural. There's a little element. bit. He gets he gets uh, little clues through. Uh, you know, one episode he might be. Uh, slipping constantly, and he can't actually get any friction between his shoes and and the floor. Uh, things like that. To and he gets a vessel which he traps the soul in, and each time the vessel is a different vessel yes. that he gets to trap the soul. So it um, might be a toaster, it might be a, a sweater, it it could and, be and he has might to be a dove. Out, he has to figure out how to use it to trap that particular soul. And it seems and the thing the thing that uh, gets me about Reaper and not as much. Uh, Chuck, uh, Reaper seems to be the same episode every episode. I've seen about six episodes of uh, of Reaper, and there's uh, there's not a huge change in them. They not a huge ongoing storyline. In Chuck, I think it has a little bit more of an ongoing storyline. Plus, I think the uh, the uh, the characters are uh, a little bit more likable. Really? Yeah. See, I, I'd I'd go the other way. I'd I'd watch Reaper over Chuck. Really? Yeah, I, 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 I thought. But I you found, didn't like carpoolers, so what do you know? <laughs> uh, I, uh, yeah, I, I, I found the supernatural element a little more believable than the he got an email and now he's become a supercomputer element. Of oh Chuck. yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, and, I just tossed that out the window. And I, I found this a bit, uh, just uh, a bit less annoying and a bit funnier. You know, you know what really what keeps me watching Reaper? I, I have a suspicion it's the devil. It is the devil is played by Ray Wise who played Laura Palmer's father on Twin Peaks, and he is excellent. He, uh, and, he, and he looks like he's playing it in his sleep. He doesn't really... He, he's really not doing that much, but he's so good at what he does. Yeah, well, the thing is, he's not phoning it in, mm. but he doesn't have to do much. All he has to do is smile, Yeah, and and he's got it. He's And, and the devil is, is this cheeky uh, cheeky guy who, who is also... Uh, as you would imagine, any CEO uh, of of a successful company. So it's like a Trump figure. Well, more like a kind of. more like a Kerry Packer figure, really. He's your mate. He looks like a Goanna. It's, <laughs> he's your mate, but he gets he gets you to do what he wants without fail, uh, and he's great. And and I just watch it for the Ray Wise bits. Yeah, yeah, he's good. Mm. Uh, so that's excellent. That's uh, Reaper pushing daisies. Mm. Uh, if now, now, this is created by Brian Fuller, who yes. also created Wonderfalls. Or was was a co creator on Wonderfalls and a co creator on Dead Like Me, mm-hmm. and started work writing for uh, 
Star Trek Deep Space Nine and Star Trek Voyager, I think. Okay. Now, we should mention Reaper was directed by Kevin Smith, the first episode. The first episode, the pilot, and he's a, and he's and a he's co-producer. A con- he's a consultant. A consultant which on I, it. I've never seen that credit before on a TV series. I'm not quite sure what it means. Uh, interestingly, in Pushing Daisies, uh, Barry Sonnenfeld yes. is directed the first episode, and he's an executive producer of that. And uh, he did. he's done lots of movies, uh, Men in Black, um, Wild Wild West and uh, some good ones as well yes. <laughs> get shorty the thing about uh, Barry Sonnenfeld films is that they always uh, have a particular look about them mm-hmm. and Pushing Daisies is no different however it's, it's highly stylistic however it really just looks like Barry Sonnenfeld sat down watched Tim Burton's Big Fish and went I'll have that look thank you very much because they're identical lots of very stark reds and greens and this this fairy tale atmosphere uh, and it reminded me a lot too of Emily, yeah, and, and some earlier Jean and Caro films like Delicatessen. It, it's, it is it's got that kind of whimsy to it. Yeah, it's I think. it's like that, and it also looks a lot like uh, the Dick Tracy movie. Yes, although good. Yeah, although I, I rewatched the Dick Tracy movie recently, and uh, and it's a lot better than I remember it as a. Uh, as but a is that just about the primary colors? And, yeah, and it's, of that sort it's of lots of primary colors, especially red and green. Uh, it's about this uh, this guy Ned, who as a child was uh, dis- discovered that he could bring dead things to life, uh, but by With touching a couple them. Couple of caveats. Yes. So he disco- he can bring dead things to life by touching them, but also discovers that. Uh, if he uh, if he leaves them alive for too long, more than uh, a minute, more than a minute, uh, something of similar volume nearby will die. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if it's uh, if it's a horse, a donkey might die. Yes, uh, and which if- just reminded me of Carnival the first time I saw that. Yeah, movie. yeah, that's true. Uh, and, and if he retouches, if he touches them. them again, they die. Mm. Now uh, this is all. Fine, he lives with this problem throughout his life until his uh, his young sweetheart dies and he has to touch her to find out why she died. Uh, they get to talking and he misses his minute's window to touch her again. Someone nearby dies. They fall in love and now there's a, a love story where they can't touch each other. Mm. I really like this story. I think it's really cute. Yeah. Uh People are saying that it's the best show of the full season. Uh, again, you know, your caveat there is it's not a great full season. That, that's true, but I'm just pleased. Up until this, we've had nothing that I've liked. I mean, zitch. You have been Mr. Uh, ne- Mr. Negativo. There has just been nothing. <laughs> El Zulcho, in fact. Um, and so it, it's actually nice. I, I think I'll keep watching this. I actually like this show. I think it's it's good. It's got a lot of heart to it, but I won't. Let that hold it against it. Uh, it. It's a good show. But again, it's heart, not schmaltz. Yes. Uh, it's also, it stars uh, Kristen Chenoweth from West Wing mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, and a, a guy who was in, who was in Wonderfalls, played the, the love interest in Wonderfalls, uh, an English woman who's, uh, I don't know what else she's done, uh, Chi McBride, who people might remember as the principal from Boston Legal, yep. Uh, yep. has a voiceover by Jim Dale, who was in uh, some of the Carry On films, and the voiceover is used really well. In, yeah, you, know, very, you know how much I hate a voiceover? Very narrative-heavy, very narrative-driven. Yeah. Uh, to, to the point where, uh, when they're introducing a character and he's talking about how old they are, it won't just be uh, Brett Cropley 
54 years old, but Brett, <laughs> Brett Cropley, if 50, I were. 54 years, two months, nine days, eight hours, Doesn't and mean, 11 minutes. Yep. Uh, which is just such a nice little touch that it, mm. you can't help but watch this show it's a bit and like smile. like the opening of uh, Six Feet Under. <laughs> yeah, not so much. Uh, and, but and but you can't you can't help but watch this show and smile. Yeah, and, and there's lots of uh, there's lots of very deadpan exchanges. Yes, w- which are great between the characters. They'll they'll sit there and have a, a a whole conversation with where they're sitting side by side with absolutely no animation in their voice. Which it, and it's very well written too. Very tightly written script. Yeah, uh, yeah. Charming show all round. Pushing daisies is uh, it, and actually it's one that. A lot of listeners have written in and said, uh, are you going to cover Pushing Daisies? We really think you should cover Pushing Daisies. And I believe uh, Channel 9's got that. Yes, they do. they'll, be, they'll be pleased. That's, I mean, they've had such a bad so run of... See it at uh, 10.30 Mondays. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they've had such Coming a bad run of shows. It, it really isn't, though. I mean, we compare it to movies. It's really not like any other TV shows of late, is it? No. No, it, it kind of reminds me a little bit of like the when we first saw Malcolm in the Middle and how mm. uh, how starkly different that style was to what we were used to. Yeah, this this is kind of like that. Yeah, so it'd be interesting to see if Nine does know what to do with it, but it's good news for them. Yep. Okay, question three: Which yeah, canal? All these going to be about war? No, I got loads of. I got one on tennis. One on the Suez Canal. Loads. Okay, question three. Which canal links the Mediterranean with the Red Sea? No winners to last week's quiz question, which I thought was a really easy one. I I really did. It was, uh, which does Ross prefer, carpoolers or My Name is Earl? Mm. Now, listeners to the show would know that he loves My Name is Earl, Mm. and listeners to last week's episode will know that he hated carpoolers beyond any reason. Uh, there was plenty of reason. No it reason. It was shit. It's a fun show. Lighten uh, up. Just lighten up, Mr. Weight of the World. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. anyway so, there's nothing else I can say. It's just it's it's a dumb show. So with a no dumb winners. Premise. No winners, which means... That it's jackpot. exactly the same with carpools. <laughs> there are no winners. <laughs> jackpot. Two winners next week. Two winners. Wow. Two winners next week. The prize week. doesn't jackpot. The, no. The person doesn't get two prizes. No, the number of winners jackpots. Really? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I can see a flaw in the logic there somewhere, but so it's easier push for, on. It's easier for people to win next week. <laughs> it is going to be easier for people to win next week. We have two crumpler things to give away. We have a Winkler and a Thirsty Owl to give away to listeners who can correctly answer by 4pm Australian Eastern Standard Time next Monday Afternoon. That's uh, Eastern Summertime. Eastern actually. Summertime. Sorry. Yeah, which Damn is uh, GMT plus eleven. Uh, by next Monday afternoon, that being Monday the twelfth yes. of yes. November. People who can correctly answer, and please, I'm going to make this so easy for you. What are the two fall shows that we covered on this week's episode of Box Cutters? Don't look at the blog. No, you no, can no, look no, at no. the blog. You can look at the blog. You can listen to the podcast. I look forward to reaping many answers. <laughs> I don't want people to push too many daisies to All find right. them. All right. I'm, I'm going to put a ban on Wikipedia. You're not allowed to look at Wikipedia. To Fine. Find the answer. Fine. But Wiktionary is all open. So, yeah, if you can tell us that we watched Reaper, we talked about Reaper and, and, and Pushy Daisies this week's fall, you might get yourself a Crumpler Winkler or Thirsty Owl. Email us, hooray at boxcutters.net by 4pm next Monday. Hey, um, when I... 
cast my pod, it's with the box cutters in mind. Box cutters. Pod. Cast. Done. Pork is on the table. Just quickly, boys, uh, in pork, if you had to pick your worst TV show ever, what would you pick? Well, that, that, that brings to my pork item, <laughs> which uh, could possibly be man? last week's Librarians. Uh, really? Yeah, anyway, I'll get to that in a second. It wasn't very uh, Worst TV show ever. Uh, I'll think about it. Bro. I block them out. Um, I you can't, block them out? I can't bring something to mind. I think of this year, drama-wise, would have to be John from Cincinnati. Oh. See, it's my girlfriend. I can't let you uh, talk about her that way. Because <laughs> I, I, I bring this up because the uh, Chicago Tribune, off the back of Viva Loglin getting canned, couple of weeks ago, has published what they think were the 25 worst TV mm. shows ever. I haven't had a look at Viva Lachlan yet. Uh, neither have I, but, but, <laughs> but are you going to keep watching it? Because <laughs> you will. You'll love it, Brett. You'll keep watching it. Yeah, uh, but included in this uh, are things that I hold dear to my heart, and maybe, sure, maybe they don't live up to, uh, to modern standards, but BJ and the Bear... I loved that show as a kid. Uh, Joni loves Charchies. Well, that's fair enough. I enjoyed that. Uh, the, I thought Happy Days was banned. <laughs> I thought we had a banned on Happy Days related talk in this show after no. last time, after the fight. Yeah. I, uh, Mr. Belvedere, which was not. Oh, come on. The, the, it lasted for five seasons. Small Wonder. I know Pete Helly will have something to say about that. Uh, Beauty and the Beast was a really popular show at the, the time. The Stan Zemanic one? No. <laughs> Darren Hinch? No, no, no. Uh, it's the, uh, the, the one Robo? with the, no, the, the, the one with the, the, with Sarah Connor and, uh, and, 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 and the Beast. And the kid from Mask. And the kid from Mask. <laughs> and Eric Stoltz from Mask. Uh, that was a really popular, uh, popular show as well. And, uh, and Cavemen. How could they not like cavemen? <laughs> have they really got cavemen? They there? really do have cavemen there. <laughs> so uh, the librarians. Did you guys watch it? Yes. Yes. Do you? Got, uh, I don't break, want to talk obviously. about it. I don't want to talk about it. I enjoyed it because it's just nothing worth talking. I, about. I think it's going to build. How much, can it build? Much like summer jokes, high. The jokes yes. are so obvious. Ah, oh, she thinks all Muslims are terrorists. What? It, it was, it, I, I, I kind of found it a cringe comedy without the comedy. Yeah. I didn't think there was anything funny in there. I don't think it's got anywhere to go. And I think it made Summer Heights High look good. Like, it made it look really, really polished and good. You say that like you didn't like Summer Heights High. Not, a, not at all, but I'm, I think the comparison's really favourable for Summer Heights High. It, I think people have... Uh, librarians rated 1.2 million, which is amazing for the ABC at that time slot. But that's out of... That's, that's not going to be repeated this week. No way. I, I reckon they'd be lucky to get half that. We'll see. I, I expect it uh, to get more interesting. I, 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 you know what? I they're, like doing these, they're doing these smash cut flashbacks, which uh, if they had sat down and watched three episodes of Arrested Development five times, they'd know should, uh, should not be any more than, say, eight to ten seconds long. Mm-hmm. And these these are going for like thirty seconds. Some of them are short, but some are yeah. Some are it's, like the one with like, Stephen Curry and the Flying Fox. Yeah, exactly. You, you knew you, you had a fair idea what was going to happen from the start. So uh, it it's just like it needed another year to be I, written. I've I've liked and it's got everybody involved. Like just about every funding body in the country has got their two cents in this. And you're just wondering, surely there must have been some checks somewhere. I've I've liked other things that Wayne Hope and uh, Robin Butler have done. I just. I really didn't like this at all. Yeah, I think it's uh, I, I think it's a bit raw. Uh, I've been speaking a little while ago about Survivor China. The nudity has 
has cut down somewhat after the first four or five episodes. Right. Thankfully. But something else has been disturbing me. Something I really leaves a bad taste in my mouth with Survivor. Throwing challenges. What? They're doing it again? I really don't what? like no. it. No. Uh, Lazy. There's Lazy been, uh, I mean, I think Channel 9 are going to show it at some stage, so I don't want to give too much I away. Think but I've read something about it coming up uh, over summer. They're, they're wanting to get rid of certain people in their tribe, so they throw challenges. At one, so they can vote them out. So it, I, I, I can't say too much without giving too much away from, from the basic but that's, idea. But that's what they've done in the past is, is yes, one, one tribe has thrown a challenge to try and get rid of a certain person. Yeah. And, uh, and that's just that's just ridiculous. And, and you never do, play to lose. It's to do with the tribes having been split and, you know, swapped around. Okay. Never play to lose. It's, it's just no, bad it, sportsmanship yep. on all fronts. And worse, they're doing it gleefully. Like, they think they're so clever. Like they did a puzzle piece and they threw away one of the bits of the puzzle and then afterwards somebody who was on their team who didn't know they were throwing the challenge is going, you know, well, what was going on? And they're just kind of giggling. <laughs> oh, yeah, we were bad, weren't we? Oh, and they walked away and they were pissing themselves thinking they were so clever. It's just... Are you still watching this? I love Survivor. Yeah. I, I, I will still keep watching it. It's Survivor 20... What do you hear? There's Brett, another Brett All-Star coming up. To week. Is there another All-Star? Yeah. No, in, I hadn't heard in, that. In uh, Palau. Really? Yep. I see the All Star concept didn't work last time. Hope it goes a bit better this time. But I'll keep watching. I mean, I think as long as they keep putting people up for Survivor and Amazing Race, I'll keep watching them. Yeah, and a new series of Amazing Race starts started this last. I oh, started last night. I was going to say starts yeah. this week. Yeah. Uh, and the, uh, torrent, the, states, the torrents are around. I am. I am very I excited. If, see, if only I, I was a person who downloaded, I'd be straight onto it. I didn't see them. I, I left home uh, a little bit too early to, tonight, uh, but uh, I am looking mm. forward to tomorrow being a day off. Watching the first episode. I can't wait. Also, if anyone's got uh, Foxtel, this season of The Contender, they've really pared it down. Uh, It is really just about the boxing and getting the boxing right uh, with uh, a lot less budget than they had in the first season, but none of the the problems that they had in the second season trying to work with a, a smaller budget. They've managed to get the heart into it, but also managed to make it more about boxing. Uh, it's a really good, enjoyable, watchable season. So that's the contender that's on Monday nights at 9.30, I think. Okay. Uh, that brings us to the end of Box Cutters episode 109. Sorry it's taken us so long, but you'll have to admit it was a pretty full show. We had a lot of talking to do to James. We really mm. did. Uh, thank you Plus, very much. Plus, we finally had to talk about Survivor. It's been... And, Sopranos. 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 Because it's been... Um, yeah, no, we've been bursting to talk about it for weeks. Yeah, and you months. Re- that, that really did just explode out of me. I was like, mm. I can't even remember what happened. And then we started talking about it. And I was like, oh, what happened? <laughs> Thanks very much to James Talia, our un-Australian correspondent, for calling in. Uh, he is excellent to us. And thank you to other people who are excellent to us. Crumpler. I, I, was, I was a little disturbed by his, uh, by his uh, confession. Guilty pleasure. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I've had a weekend to deal with it. Uh, but I think when I, he gets back here over Christmas, we'll do an intervention. It'll be fine. I, I, was, I was also pretty yep. concerned with with your revisiting it idea. Well, it does rate really well. I, you know what? I really won awards. And, I trust. I trust James enough to uh, to to do. You know, he's a good friend, and and uh, if he thinks something's 
worth watching for a certain aspect of it, then I'll watch it and I'll, I'll give it another chance. But if we go back and it's still as bad, it's intervention time. Yeah, yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely, definitely. Other people who are good to us include Crumpler, our giveaway sponsors. They make bags and bean bags and pouches that you can put cameras in and uh, iPods and all sorts Slap of stuff. Beer. You can check them out at crumpler.com.au. Shops around the world. And also 3RRR, whose studios we use for recording this podcast each and every week. Yes, and uh, this week on Saturday morning uh, is the off-the-record 20th anniversary, and our favourite pork man, Brian Ankervis, is uh, emceeing the morning, and then a roast for Brian Wise later on. That's so at the Corner Hotel, free for RRR subscribers, and five bucks for anybody else. 10am on Saturday. From 10am, and uh, Record of the Week is Holy Fucks LP. Why did you? What? So why do you say that? We've never talked about record of the week. I can't believe I didn't come week. up with a, a band name like that. That was that. Right. Neither. Neither can I, Fred. There goes that worm again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for tuning in yet again to another long episode of Box Cutters. Until next week, my name is Josh Canal. Ross McQueen. I continue to be Brett Cropley. Thanks for listening to Box Cutters. Catch us again next week, same bat time. Same bat channel. And hey, let's be careful out there.